Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age. Being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Mathot, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janiah, the son of Joseph, the son of Mathathias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Esli, the son of Nagai, the son of Maath, the son of Mathathias, the son of Simeon, the son of Josic, the son of Jodah, the son of Joanan, the son of Resa, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Adi, the son of Kossum, the son of Elmadam, the son of Ur, the son of Joseph, the son of Eleazar, the son of Joram, the son of Mathot, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Eliakim, the son of Melia, the son of Mena, the son of Mathahata. They love that name. The son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salah, the son of Nashon, the son of Amenadab, the son of Admin, the son of Arni, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Sarug, the son of Reu, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Arphaxad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalil, the son of Canaan, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Let's go. Right? Like I know when we announced, you know, uh, six months ago that we were going to go through the book of Luke, like y'all read ahead, didn't you? You made it to Luke chapter three and you're like, today is the day. Like I cannot wait for this one. So, so here we are. I mean, if you're a guest here, number one, welcome. Number two, welcome. <laughs> um, we teach exegetically straight through books of the Bible, meaning we don't get to skip this stuff. Um, and so we're going to go through it. And I know if you're a guest, you're like, I feel like he could have just read right off the pages of a phone book. And that would have been just about as interesting, right? Um, well... Here's what I'm banking on keeping us awake today, right? Because that's it. Like, like you, y'all think that, the guests, you think that's a joke. Regulars, you know that ain't a joke. We're about to do this. Uh, so here's what I'm banking on keeping us awake. Number one, inspiration. If God's word is breathed out every word and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, then there's something in here that God has for us. So we're banking on inspiration, number one. Number two, we're banking on manifestation. If the Holy Spirit is real, then he'll be gracious to bounce around the room and speak to us in areas of our heart through this. So inspiration, manifestation, and then banking on number three, perhaps mostly brevity. (laughs) We're going to be quick. Um, 
So if nothing else, uh, we'll beat everybody else to Frida's and you'll be happy. And so that will keep you awake as well. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to rock and roll. Here we go. Uh, Lord Jesus, we've, we've honored your text. We've read it aloud. Um, and now we're going to dive into it for just a brief few minutes. And, and so would you be gracious to do those things? Uh, yeah. Number one, make inspiration happen. May the text speak beyond the voice of a mortal man. May it pop off the page into our hearts. Um, there's meat on the bone in a genealogy. Show us where the meat is, Lord. Uh, number two, we're banking on manifestation. Holy Spirit, we believe you are real, and powerful, and that you can shape us and that you can mold us through a list of names. Would you draw us closer to yourself? As Annalisa has already prayed, would you draw us in and show us who you are? And then, on behalf of the rest of the church, Lord, would you make this moment brief? Um, Not brevity for brevity's sake, but just not to make much of something that's not there, but also to see what is there. And so, redeem our time. Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, may all this moment be for you. In your name, amen. Be seated. Be seated. So yes, it's, it's not a joke. We really have made it to the genealogy, and the text will just kind of take off next week, and, and we'll be done with the genealogy, but we're going to spend a little bit of time in this piece of the text today, so as not to skip it. <clears throat> Again, um, genealogies are important, and so I'm going to just kind of ask three questions of the text today, and we'll, we'll track along with that. The first question I'm going to ask of this is, why is a genealogy important? In other words, why was it included in Luke and why was it also included in Matthew? And Matthew's will pop up on the screen as a parallel. Uh, There you go. That's the two places that the text is found, that the genealogies are found in the Bible. And so the question will be, well, why is it there? Why why include it at all? And to do answer to that, we're going to have to kind of think on our cultural level versus their cultural level to kind of grasp that. Primarily because we think of genealogies from our cultural context. And so in our cultural context, genealogies are just a hobby at best, right? Um, Meaning, you know, you you get on Ancestry.com or something like that, just kind of it's fun as a hobby. And there are probably some people in here who've done that, who've tracked your genealogy. And really, we do it as a hobby to see if, I don't know, if anybody in our line is famous, Right? try to track through to make sure we don't have any hidden money out there. Maybe we're connected to royalty somewhere. I didn't do this, but I do have a family member who's done this, and they track back our royalty. We are royal so far as royalty means there are some farmers in Tennessee that bore the name Nicholson. And that's about the extent to where it went. It just kind of terminated with David Nicholson right smack dab in the middle of Tennessee. Woohoo! So we try to track to see if there's somebody famous in our line, or, or maybe we kind of track to see if, maybe not famous, but infamous, right? Um, make sure that Vlad the Impaler <laughs> is not in our lineage, you know? And you're like, well, who is Vlad the Impaler? Well, just all you need to know is the last part of his name. <laughs> Vlad the Impaler. You don't want that cat in your family lineage, right? You don't want that guy. You know, so we're just trying to track, make sure Hitler, Stalin's not back there somewhere, yada, yada, 
And so we do that, and so it's kind of, again, just 99 bucks and some researching, and that's what we think of genealogies. Erase that from your brain. Erase that. Because that's not what a genealogy meant to these people. Genealogies were incredibly important. As a matter of fact, they were mandated. All of society functioned off of the genealogy. So it wasn't go to the website. It was go to the temple, unpack the scroll, because they were meticulously kept on purpose. The reasons they were kept was for at least four reasons. Number one is this, to see who legally owned what land. Land was tied to your family name. And so they kept these in in a list to make sure that Your plot of land was your plot of land and nobody else could keep it. So if you had a debate over land, you went to the temple, you looked through the scrolls, it had your names, it had what pieces of land you owned, okay? So that's tied together. Number two, to see who was legally in the priestly line. Now, you'll you'll remember this, or maybe you won't remember this. Everybody who acquired land had land. Who did not have land? The priest, yeah. And so the priests were allotted certain portions. And so to make sure that the priests were taken care of, they had certain areas mapped out for them. So if somebody came in and tried to take over some land that somebody was a part of the priestly line, they didn't have any land as a family lineage, they would say, hey, you can live here because you are legally a part of the priestly line. So that was part of it. And then also to see who could marry who, um, whose money was whose. So if there were no fathers um, who had sons and there was just daughters, they were kind of left in the dark. And so who could marry who and who could, could, could step in as a redeemer to redeem certain lineages and get land for them and money and property. So that was another reason. And then number four, I would say this. It was important because for the Jew, catch this, the collective we was way more important than the isolated me. And that's totally different to us. In our society, um, it is go make much of yourself, do, grow, be, acquire, blah, 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 head off and, and chart your own course. But for the Jew, it wasn't that way. It was, hey, where is God taking us collectively? It was the collective whole. Does that make sense? So genealogies were incredibly important it was ran by the government um, and, and kept archived, again, meticulous. I can't think of a better word, meticulously, until 70 AD when Nero came in and burned the whole place flat to the ground. All right? So this is where genealogies are important. So, so if you're looking at it going, is this important? And it's really important. It's really important. Way more than just a dot-com moment, if you will. Right? So you need to know that. And then the second question may be this. Okay, well, it's important, and there's two of them. Are there any differences in the two? Well, I am glad that you asked that question. I'm glad you woke up this morning as you were eating your Fruit Loops and going, man, I just really want to know, is there any differences in Matthew and Luke's genealogy? I know, me too. It's great. It's great stuff, right? There are some differences, and and I want to point them out. Let's note them. They're going to pop up all over the screen. Um, So take notes if you can or take pictures if you want to. Let's chew through these, all right? One, Matthew is going to start his uh, gospel right off the bat with a genealogy. So you open it in Matthew chapter 1, it's going to begin, bam, with a genealogy. In other words, he's going to use the genealogy as an introduction to the reader, right? So Matthew, right off the bat, Matthew chapter 1, 
verse 1 says, uh, this is the genealogy of Jesus. Boom. Um, Abraham was the father of Isaac. Um, and then it goes on to Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, all this kind of stuff. So he kicks off right off the bat because he wants to hook somebody. Matthew begins right off the bat with Abraham for the Jew because he is primarily interested in all the Jewish readers. And he says, hey, Jews, let me tell you who Jesus is. Boom, Abraham. Because what else would a Jew really care about much more than Abraham? Hey, get me to Abraham. And if Jesus is from Abraham, then I'll listen to you about him. Does that make sense? So he's trying to hammer right off the bat. Introduction. First thing I'm going to say, Matthew, boom, Jesus is of Abraham. And then the Jews would go, okay, well, I'll listen to you more. So that's why Luke is going to wait until John the Baptist is finished with his ministry. Did y'all notice that? We've been studying John the Baptist now for some eight, nine weeks. And we are just now getting to the genealogy. Luke is not so much interested in the Jewish reader as the non-Jewish reader. Remember, he's writing this book to, you remember the guy's name? Theophilus. Yeah! Who is a non-Jew? So he's trying to, to not use the genealogy as an introduction of, hey, you need to listen, but a transitional moment. You had this guy, John the Baptist, doing these things. Johnny showed up chart last week. I hope you caught note of that chart. And now all of a sudden there's a transition, boom, here's Jesus. And Luke's going to say, hey, he's different than this guy. Now let me show you why he's important and more important than John the Baptist. So he's going to use this genealogy as a transition. It's pretty fascinating. All right, number two. Matthew starts with Abraham, and he's going to move backwards all the way down to Jesus. Luke is going to start with Jesus, and he's going to move forward all the way to not the son of Adam, but the son of who? Son of God. Very fascinating, all right? So for Matthew, stretching this Jewish ancestry was of primary importance. But for Luke, stressing not that Jesus is a good Jew, but that he's from humanity is very important. So he's going to track it all the way back and say, he's not, he doesn't just stop with Abraham. Jesus ties all the way back to the Son of God. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Number three, Matthew's lineage is going to branch off at David and go from David tracking through the line of his son Solomon. Luke is going to get to David, and he's going to branch off not with the son Solomon, but branch off with the son Nathan. I know, like y'all are like, yes! That is so good and so yummy. It will be in just a second. That's very important, very key. So again, if you're taking notes, key in on that, look at that. It's pretty fascinating. Before that, everything's going to be pretty much the same up to Abraham on both of them. But they're both going to take different branches for different reasons as they go through it. All right? And then number four, Matthew is concerned with tracking Joseph's lineage. In other words, what was Jesus' legal right How does he fit legally? How can he legally be of the Messianic line? Because to legally be of the Messianic line, you had to come from 
David, you had to come from Abraham, and it had to be a patristic lineage. It had to flow through the bloodline to be of this legal reign, okay? So Matthew's really focused on that. I guess I could say this. He's worried about Jesus being accepted as the true prophet, priest, king, his position. He wanted to make sure everybody understood he had the positional authority to be the Messiah, okay? That's his emphasis. Luke is concerned with tracking Mary's lineage, which is not necessarily legal as much as it is natural. How does she naturally um, fit in, in the bloodline, if you will, as humanity all the way through as the Son of God? Jesus is natural, right? Not as position, but maybe we could say, okay, what was his purpose? Not just could he be prophet, priest, king, but what did that even mean? Like, why does that matter? What was he doing? What was he trying to accomplish other than just to get a title? Was he just a title or was he doing something? And that's Luke's emphasis, all right? So we've already made it. I told you, brevity. We've already made it. We're into our last part right here. All right? Here we go. All right, so the first question, why is it important, incredibly important for the Jew? And it should be incredibly important for us. Take yourself out of America. Understand why is he doing this. Number two, are there any differences? Yes. Question number three would be, okay, that's interesting, but what do those differences matter? Why should I care? And that's when I want to hopefully buckle up for a second and just kind of let this bathe over us. And I think it'll be encouraging to you if you're a believer in this room. Number one, I think we can see four things out of this. Number one is this. I think through this lineage, we can see that God is faithful to offer redemption to all of mankind through his redemptive plan. All mankind. If you would have just had Matthew saying, hey, Jew for the Jew for the Jew for the Jew, most Gentiles would go, all right, oh well, what does that mean for me? Luke steps in and says, hey, 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 non-Jew. So if you're in this room and you're a non-Jew, and by show of hands, how many non-Jews we got? By gosh, this ought to be important to us. <laughs> All right? This ought to encourage us. So Luke steps in and he shows us, look, God is faithful to offer redemption to all of mankind through his redemptive plan. Yes, his covenant children absolutely are the children of Abraham. But praise God, the lineage doesn't stop at Abraham. Praise God, it keeps on going. And so his covenant of grace is available to all non-Jews through Christ as the son, not just of Abraham, but as the son of God. That's number one. Hang on to that. Number two, I think we can see this. God is gracious to send the second Adam to fix what was broken by the first Adam. I think you can see that in the lineage. Now, Luke, indeed, as I've already pointed out, has a one-of-a-kind ending. There is no parallel in all of Old Testament literature. There's no parallel in any rabbinical writings. Zero genealogy ever that ends with somebody is the son of God. As a matter of fact, if he would have stopped with Jesus is the son of Adam, that would have been pretty much an anomaly in and of itself. But to move to that next phase of not just the son of Adam, but the son of God, that's unheard of. 
Nobody did that. As a matter of fact, if you did that, you would be deemed a heretic because to claim to be the offspring of God himself would be a claim that I'm just not different in degree than you, but I'm different in kind altogether. And nobody dared do that. So Luke says, listen, Jesus is different, not just in degree, but brother, he's different in kind. He's not just human, but he's a, he's a God offspring. He's a God man that's totally different. So Luke's got this unparalleled ending, and it's, it's kind of shouting at us for attention. In other words, it sounds something like this. If Jesus is the Son of God then he indeed is equal to God, which is exactly what we just heard last week at the baptism. Jesus is being baptized. A voice screams from heaven, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. You see how it all fits together? Isn't that fascinating? Don't you dare read a genealogy and go, Oh, I've got to skip through this so I can keep going. No! Chew in. See what's going on. In other words, he's saying this, I believe. Matthew chapter 5 resonates in our ears as it's proclaimed to us, hey, this first Adam that you had, your first father that we can track our lineage back to, Adam, this first guy, he was sinful and absolutely useless. He was a mess. He messed up all kinds of stuff. And as a matter of fact, it's where we not only inherit our guilt from, but it's where we inherit our nature from. We follow after our forefather, Adam. He's ours. It's where we turn him in. And in Romans chapter 5, this is what it said, Because of one man's sin, death reigned through that man. And so if you're in this room and you're a son of Adam, you got a big problem. Death reigns in your mortal body because of your bloodline that terminates at Adam. It's a big issue. I asked just a minute ago how many non-Jews we had in this room. Now, by a show of hands, how many people who are descendants of Adam are in this room? Like, if, right, if, you're, if you don't know whether you should raise your hand or not, yes, you should. <laughs> if you have blood pulsing through your body right now, you are a descendant of Adam. All right? So you fit. That's a big problem. It's a big problem. And the beauty of this is that just like the first Adam who was sinful and useless, the second Adam is sinless and triumphant. And so through him, we can not just inherit guilt and sin nature, but through him, we can find forgiveness. That's why Jesus is different. His bloodline doesn't stop at Adam, but heads on into the Holy of Holies, which means he bypasses the sin nature. And he just gets into virgin birth and all this other kind of stuff too. But Romans chapter 15, again, goes on to say it this way. Because of one man's sin, death reigned through that man. How much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in the life through the one man, Jesus Christ, the second That's why genealogies are important. We're looking at the genealogy of the second Adam. Our hope. All right? God's faithful to offer redemption to all mankind. God's gracious to send the second Adam to fix what the first Adam broke. And we see that in the genealogy. And then number three, 
God is faithful to use messed up people with warped moments for glorious purposes. If you look at this genealogy and you go, I, uh, I can only speak for me. Right? I grew up f- Southern Baptist, and I would also, I'd kind of also kind of add a little bit of fundamentalism in there. I mean, you know, I'm gonna be a good, I'm gonna be a good person. You know, be the good person. And, and again, it's not necessarily what I was taught. Um, it's and I still are. So I mean, I am your Southern Baptist poster child. All right, got the undergrad, got the seminary degree, got the, we support the North American Mission Board. I, I, I'm just telling you. All right, in my mindset, it was, hey Jesus, he did some great stuff. Now prove how good a person you can be to earn his love. That's how I. That's how I interpret it. It was, thank you Jesus for your work. Now let me show you how much I can work for you. And I can really earn your favor then, right? So it's, it's kind of that. All right, so the gospel is that God takes warped people, sinful people, and by his grace, use them for his glory. And so my interpretation of that genealogy for a long time was, man, if I could just be one of those people, if I could be one of them good people that's on that list, Now, here's the problem. I went and studied the genealogy. And them folks are a mess. (laughs) An absolute mess. Let me just read you some of them, okay? You got Tara, who was a gross idolater. You could have called this brother a Hindu. I mean, he had gods all over the place. You got Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. He also gave his wife away twice and was a liar. Right, Jacob. I mean, we track back to Jacob. Who wants to be known as? Yes, I'm of the offspring of a cheater and a thief. Right. Not only that, you got Judah. Judah's a slave trader and enjoyed prostitutes. Right. David, a murderer and adulterer. Like we're all like King David, and then you read him and you're like, no, that guy was he was a mess. <laughs> He had a lot of stuff going on, right? And the beauty of this, and and, and what I'm trying to say is, instead of looking at the genealogy going, hey, we need to really be like this people, you need a second, I don't don't think you need to be like David. Like that's a bad role model. You don't need to go kill somebody's husband and then so that you can marry his wife. Like that is a bad, bad thing, people, all right? Instead of looking at that list going, man, these are a bunch of great people, I think it's there for us to look at and go, wow, if God can use David and Tara and Jacob and Abraham, maybe his grace is sufficient for me as well. Amen? That's what's beautiful about a genealogy. And in this genealogy, what we're seeing is that God is not wasting life's worshipful moments because David did some cool stuff too. Hang out in, with David in 1 Samuel. Like, that's the good David. And later on we get an the mess. All right? God's not, wa- he's not wasting your worshipful moments. Like right now as you chase him in your mind, like he's using that to cultivate you and to, to bring glorious purposes to himself. But here's maybe the even better news. That God's not wasting your 
warped moments. He's not wasting your warped moments. What do you mean by that, Troy? I think a lot of times in life, our sins that we trip us up or that we willfully hop into, like all of us are like, oh, that sin tripped me up, right? I'll, I'll be the one that's honest in our church and go, sometimes I just jump in like a cannonball. Hey, hey, my sin. That was a jackknife, right? Cannonballs both legs. That'd be awkward to do here. (laughs) But we get so sidetracked by those moments, don't we? Well, why? Well, what if? Well, God could never love me because of this. As we look at a genealogy, we see God can use even the warped moments. The moments we cannonball in. I pointed out David a minute ago. Solomon was the offspring of Bathsheba through an adulterous relationship. And through that bloodline comes who? The Christ. God can take your warped moments and a thousand years later bring about a glorious purpose. That's good news, church. It's good news. In a genealogy. <clears throat> but when we get stuck in the whys, God, I, I get it. I, I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done this. Blah, blah, blah. Or, or maybe it's not something that is, is attached to you. I was talking to somebody this week who's really struggling with a suicide that's occurred and wrestling with, how, how, does, how could God possibly get glory in this? And I just had to look at her and go, hey, listen. If you ask the question, why now? You may never find out. And you probably will never find out. Jesus didn't come till a thousand years later. All the way back through David's mess up. You may never know now in your mess. And you may never know in a hundred years from your mess. But on the assurance of God's word, maybe 600 years through your mess, God ultimately is going to change somebody else for his glory. That's some hope. That's some hope. You and your family are not fit for Christianity. You're not. And you need somebody to burst your bubble if you think you're fit for Christianity. You're not. But the glorious news of the gospel is Christ can retrofit you into his family. That's the hope. That's the hope. Number one, God's faithful to redeem, offer redemption to all mankind. Number two, God's gracious to send the second Adam to fix what the first Adam broke. Number three, God's faithful to use messed up people with warped moments for his glorious purposes. And then number four, God uses adoption as his primary means of restoration into the family of God. And we'll wrap it up with this. Did you notice, can we go back, um, can we go back to the genealogy real quick? Did you notice who the, there we go, good. Did you notice who the grandfather, according to Luke, the grandfather of Jesus would have been? Did you catch that? Healy. All right, let's go to Matthew's. Who would be the grandfather of Jesus, according to Matthew? Not Healy, but you're going to find who? Jacob. Right? So now our question would be, all right, that's something that should, we should catch. Who was his granddad? Like, that's just one generation away. Why would one say Healy? Why would one say Jacob? All right, so as we look at this, um, I'm going to give you 
what I think is going on here, and I think it's incredibly good news. I'm convinced that Matthew technically is right by birth. Let's, let's go back to that for just a second, let's go back to the genealogy. I'm convinced that Matthew, go back to Matthew. Here we go. I think Matthew technically is right. Um, as we're looking for exactly who was the grandfather by birth, um, as you're tracking through this, um, he's, he's really emphasizing Joseph. He's hammering Joseph. I want to get to Joseph. Who was Joseph's dad? Joseph's father would have been Jacob. So he's really, he's concerned legally for the Jew how Jesus fits. And so I think that's why that fits. But B, I'm convinced Luke is also technically right by not birth, but by adoption. And here's why I say that. You get Jesus, and he's tracking through, and there's this very interesting phrase in Luke. Let's read it together in verse 23. Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son. Oh, come on, say it louder. Being the son, as was supposed of Joseph. In other words, Luke's saying there's something going on here that's just a little bit different. They supposed he was the son of Joseph. Now, Luke, all the way to this point, we've got the majority of the message because he has been interviewing who for his information? Mary! Yes! So he's super focused on Mary, and he really wants to hammer this, but in Jewish genealogies, you can't stick a woman there. You can't just go, being the son of Mary, being the son of Healy. So, if Mary had no brothers, we talked about it just a minute ago according to inheritance, if he had no brothers, then Healy had to adopt Joseph so that he could marry his daughter legally as a part of the family, and boom, now Luke, through the glorious lineage of of God's design, has Jesus not only as the Son of God, but legally through the adoption process. What a beautiful moment! That God, through His grace, can use adoption to take somebody who was not legally but naturally apart and stick them in His family. That's the hope of the gospel. None of us fit there. But through Jesus, via adoption, we can fit there. And brother, I don't know about you, but I'm not super concerned about becoming one of Abraham's kids. But I'm very concerned that one day I can walk in and look at the father and go, you are my father. The scandal of the adoption process. It's amazing. Stunning. And I think that's exactly what's going on. So yeah, who do I think that Healy was? I think Healy was... Genetically, the grandfather of Mary. Adoption process, legally, would have also made him the grandfather of Joseph. Is there a discrepancy? Absolutely not. Is there glorious sovereignty? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a beautiful thing. And so the key being this as was supposed literally can be translated, so it was thought. Troy, you just said a lot of things. I know. What are you trying to say? What's the big deal? Well, now, Jake, we can roll through it. 
here's the big deal. To honor the virgin birth and to also to honor Jewish genealogical genealogical ancestry rights. My tongue's all tied from saying all the crazy names. Which again, like, if you think I knew what those names were, I have no clue what they were. Just gave it a whirl and we went with it. To honor the virgin birth, to honor Jewish genealogical ancestry rights and redeem mankind, here's what's occurred through these genealogies. Christ, the Son of God, became a son of Adam even adopted by a man that we, the sons of Adam, man, through the adoption of Jesus, can become sons of God. What a great process. You walked in today, I read the genealogy, you went, oh boy, what on earth is that going to There's no hope in that. Ladies and gentlemen, every bit of hope that you have of redemption is found in that. That's better than John 3.16. That's holy ground right there. That's our hope. That we can be sons of God through adoption of Jesus who was adopted by man who was the only Son of God. 76 names screaming one thing. I am faithful to make a way through your mess to redeem you back in my love. So the point is not to be stunned at all these names and wonder, what can I do to deserve to be in that list? The point is, Your name can be in this list, not because of anything that you've done, but because of the offspring of Christ Jesus through adoption, through repentance and faith in him that makes you a son of God and his brother. And then scandalously, he also will call you a friend. That's fun. I like that one. I like that one. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. So I got to look at this list and I go, wow, there is no way for me to implant my name in that list. There's no way to get in on the covenant promise that you would keep your offspring through Abraham. But thank you for Luke's reminder that it's not just about Abraham and it's not even primarily about Abraham. But it's about the Christ who can make a way when there is no way. That through Christ... I can be, and we can be fully adopted into the eternal family of God Almighty. So God, I pray for all believers in this room that today we walk away going, wow, through what crazy extent you have come 
to display your love to us from generation to generation to generation through warped people, through warped people, through warped people, through one righteous man to fix what the first man broke. That we'll be stunned. I pray that we will worship through this next song as believers like never before. That we'll scream of the excellencies of Jesus like never before to see how we were grafted in into a bloodline that we do not belong in. Thank you for your grace. If there's an unbeliever in this room, or more than likely, a religious person in this room, who has tried to work their way and earn their way to get their name pinned into a bloodline. God, that they will die to that today and to see that their only hope is to be adopted in through the substitutional transaction of Jesus Christ. And then, that through repentance and faith, they too can be called sons and daughters of God Almighty. Do your glorious work of salvation as we respond. It's your precious name I pray. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing.